All right, well, you're there in Genesis chapter number 19. Keep your place there in Genesis 19. That's our text for tonight. But I'd like you to go with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 17 in the New Testament. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 17, and look at verse number 26. Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. This morning I joked around about the fact that I was going to preach about the sodomites, and I was actually just joking uh, or lying to you maybe, but I'm actually going to do my best to not preach against the sodomites tonight um, out of Genesis 19, even though that's like the number one uh, passage for preaching against the homos. I, I will make a couple of statements at the end of the sermon just because, you know, you, you need to, but um, I, you know, since this whole Orlando thing back in June, I'm just kind of over the whole subject, you know, I'm just kind of tired of talking about it, so I'm going to try to do my best to just bring out some other things in this chapter that we can learn uh, from, from it, but I will make a couple of statements as we, as we end tonight. Luke chapter 17, if you look at verse number 26, Jesus said this, and as it was in the days of Noe, that's a reference back to Noah and the flood, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. He says that when the Son of Man returns at the end, uh, end times, uh, you know, what we would consider end times prophecy timeline, he said it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. If you look at verse 28, he says this, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. So he says in the, how it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. So here Jesus is telling us that at the end times, right before he, he returns to this earth, he said it's going to be like the days of Noe and it's going to be like the days of Lot. Now often when we study the Bible, there's primary and secondary applications. I believe the primary application, the primary purpose for which Jesus is saying this is because he's teaching that the wrath of God comes on this earth during the end times, immediately after people, the, the believers are removed from off the earth. That's what he says in verse 29, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. In the same way that the same day that uh, Noah entered the ark, it began uh, to rain. That's the primary application. But if you look at verse number 28, I want you to notice that there's a secondary application in regards to the culture and way of life. Notice verse 28. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, notice the references. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. I do think there's a application that can be made in regards to that the culture of the world will be similar to the culture that was in Sodom during the days of Lot. And, you know, we preached it. I think Pastor Anderson did a great job during the Red Hot Preaching Conference kind of talking about the signs of the times and all that. But what I want to focus on tonight is that not only is our, city, uh, our culture and our society going to be similar to the culture and society of Sodom and Gomorrah during the end times, but I believe this, that the Christian family or the average Christian family, will be very similar to the Christian family in Sodom during the end times. Here's what I, might, what I mean. We can take a look at Lot's family and get characteristics from Lot's family, and really, we're already starting to see a lot of those characteristics in the average, quote-unquote, Christian family uh, today. Keep your place there in Luke. We're going to leave it and come back to it. Go back to Genesis number 19. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Christian families at 
as the closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the tribulation period, the rapture and all those things, Christian families will begin to look more and more like Lot's family the closer we get to the end because it'll be like the days of Lot. You say, well, what was Lot's family like? Well, the first thing I'd like you to notice, for those of you who take notes, point number one tonight is this. Lot had a lack of influence over his family. Lot had a lack of influence over his family. I think it was John Maxwell, who I'm not endorsing, but he made this uh, quote famous. Leadership is influence. If you're going to be a leader, what that means is that you influence people. I think he was uh, right when he said that leadership is influence. He also said, you know, if, if you're leading and you're walking and no one's following you, you're, you're just on a walk, you know. A leader has people following them. A leader has someone that, that they are influencing. That's what leadership is. And Lot was supposed to be the leader of his home, but the problem is he had no influence over his form, over his home. You're there in Genesis 19. Look at verse number one. Let me show you what I mean. Number one, uh, we see here that Lot had no influence over his wife. Look at look at verse one. Then there came two angels to Sodom at even. So the angels show up to Sodom. It's dark. It's at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. I want you to remember that. All right. He sat in the gate of Sodom. What that means is that he sat in a position of authority in a position of leadership. If you study throughout the Bible, the gates of the city is often where business would be done. The gates of the city is often where the leadership would be. The gates of the city is often where they would take care of business and leadership and business for the cities. Judgment would be done there. And Lot is sitting there in a position of leadership in Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. So the angels show up. Lot meets them. Look at verse 2. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise up early and go on your way and they said nay but we will abide in the streets all night and he pressed upon them greatly and they turned in unto him and entered into his house and I want you to notice what he does he okay that's Lot made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat so here's what happens the angels show up right and Lot's just telling him, like, you can't spend all night out here. It's dangerous out here. And he brings them into his house. He's got to feed them a meal. So he goes, the Bible says, and he made them a feast. He did bake unleavened bread. Now, here's what's interesting. When you contrast that to Abraham, let's see what Abraham does in the same situation. Flip one page back to Genesis chapter number 18 and look at verse number uh, well, look at verse number one just to get the context. We were in this not too long ago, but look at it again. Genesis chapter number 18 and verse number one. The Bible says this, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. So you got three people show up. Now look, two of the three that showed up at Genesis uh, at, at Abraham's doorstep in Genesis 18 are the same angels that then met uh, Lot in Sodom and then Gomorrah, but when Abraham meets them, notice what Abraham does. Look at verse 6. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes upon the earth. He says, he goes, see, Abraham walks in and he says, hey, the Lord showed up. The angel showed up. We're going to have lunch with them. And he goes in and then he tells his wife, I want you to make lunch. 
And she gets to work. She makes the lunch. Now notice, he doesn't just leave her alone. He helps out. Leave her six. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched the calf, tender and good, and gave it unto the young man. And he hastened to dress it. You know, he does the manly part. You know what I mean? He goes to get the calf. And he's like grilling in the backyard. You know, he's, he's making sure the meat's taken care of. While his wife is in there, they're working together. She's making the bread. She's making the sides. They're going to make a great meal for uh for their guest. When you fast forward to Genesis 19 and the same angels show up, there's no mention of Lot's wife. He doesn't walk in and say, hey, honey, we've got some guests. I need you to make something. In fact, he, he's, he so has little influence over his family. He doesn't even try to get his wife to help. He just puts on an apron, goes into the kitchen, and he makes a feast and did break unleavened bread, uh, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. He has no influence over... He, and, and look, isn't this the modern man? Just the wife's not cooking. Who knows where the wife is? I mean, who knows if she's at work or she's just out, you know, shopping or doing whatever. He puts on his apron. He starts baking. He starts taking care of things. And here's the thing. You, you say... Well, you know, that's kind of, I I don't like that illustration. But here's what you need to understand. Sarah was used as a positive example in the uh, New Testament about this situation, about her life. You don't have to turn there. We looked at it recently, uh, several weeks ago, but 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5, I'll read it for you. It says this, For after this manner, in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any abasement. Here the Bible tells us that Sarah was a good example for the women, women today ought to look at Sarah who obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying it's wrong for men to cook, okay? Let me just say that. I know some, some guys like to cook. That's great. Praise the Lord for it. I wish I could cook. I, I don't know how to cook anything, you know? I mess up cereals, so if uh, I need my wife or we're, we're going to starve in my house, you know? But if, if, you, if you can cook, hey, praise the Lord for it. But I will say this, you know, if, if you men work full-time jobs and your wives are just stay-at-home wives, your wives should take, be primarily taking care of all the cooking. They should be taking care of all the cleaning. They should be taking care of those things. Just because your wife doesn't have a job doesn't mean she ought not work. She ought to be working at home. She ought to be taking care. Now, if your wife works a full-time job, then you know what? That's a different story. Then you better help her, all right? Because it's not right to put your wife to work and then make her do all the work either while you sit there with your, you know, uh, feet up on on a chair or something either. But here we see that Lot doesn't even try. We don't even see his wife. We don't see Abraham. You always see Abraham and Sarah working as a team together. Even when they're getting into trouble, which we'll see next week, they're doing it together. You know what I mean? They're lying together. They're making bad decisions together. But you got Lot. He's just kind of like, I don't even know where my wife is. I'm not even going to try to get her to cook. I'm just going to put this apron on and cook you guys a meal right now. So we see that he had no influence over his wife. But let me show you, he also had no influence over his adult children. Look at verse number uh, four. We'll read from verse four just to get a little bit of the context. We're, we're, I'm not going to make comments on that. We're going to come back to it. But notice what he says in verse four. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do... Uh, ye to them as is good in your eyes. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came
came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this fellow came into sojourn and he will needs judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Notice verse 10. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house of them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they weared themselves to find the door. So you got all these sodomites that show up and they're basically trying to be predators and perverted and do these wicked things to them. Lot says, no, don't do it. And he offers up his daughters, which we're going to talk about that here in a minute. The, the angel said, we're not going to let that happen. You know, and they actually smite them with blindness. They perform a miracle here so that the men cannot see. Notice verse 12. And the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides? So here's what he's saying. Do you have any family besides the ones that are in this house. Because in that house, he had his wife and his two daughters. And they said, do you have, hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. So they're saying, do you have any daughters that are married that are not in the home? Do you have any sons that are married that are not in the home? Um, Look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. So you got to understand, he has two daughters that are living at home. All right, Those girls aren't married. But then he's got other daughters that are not living at home, that those girls are married. And he goes to them. He goes to their son-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. So he shows up to the house. He says, God is going to destroy Sodom. we got to leave. we got to go right now. Notice the response, verse 14. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They, they, they thought he was joking. And they didn't go with him. And they died in Sodom. And, and, and listen to me, and I, and I want to specifically talk to those of you that are at, raising children that you have at home right now. Your goal, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way he should go. And what, what is that way that he should go? The Bible tells us that children are as arrows in the hand of a mighty man. You know, and an arrow is something that you shoot at a target. And you know, you ought to have a goal with your children. And I have a goal with my children as to what it is that we want them to do. Now the world, you know, they'll tell you the goal for your children is that they get a college education. And I'm not saying that's terrible. You know, the world tell you the goal for your children is that they grow up and they're successful and they're rich. And look, I'm not saying it's bad for them to be in business and make money or whatever. But your goal and my goal ought to be to raise our children in a way that when they are adults, we continue to have influence over them. See, Lot failed as a father because his adult children were not willing to to continue to follow in his footsteps. See, it's easy to get your seven-year-old to do what you want him to do. It's easy to get the four-year-old or the 12-year-old. Look, it's, I will have failed as a father if I have my children in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning. They're here. They're well-behaved, you know, as much as is possible. I mean, they're all sinners, you know. They're, they're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to train them. We're trying to teach them. And then they turn 18 years old, and they just quit on God. I mean, if my boys or my daughters turn 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever, and they just quit on God, they quit on the Lord, they don't, you know, they don't keep anything that we taught them, then you know what? Their mother and I failed at raising them. 
The goal is to raise them in a way that when I no longer can force them, they'll still believe the Bible. They'll still want to go to church. They'll still want to uh, uh, go soul winning. That's the goal. The goal. Look, as, a, as an adult, I don't want to raise my children or tell them what to do, but I should be able to have enough influence over them where they're going to continue with the old time path. And by the way, that means not only telling them what to do, but explaining to them why we do what we do. You want to know why most kids end up leaving religion? end up not following the footsteps of their parents? Here's why. Because most parents don't take the time to actually train their kids. They don't teach them what it is that they're supposed to, you know, they teach them, well, we do this and we do that. And when the question is asked why, don't don't ask me why. Because pastor said that's why. Because I said that's why. No, no, no. See, that's fine when they're four. But there comes a point where we have to train them and disciple them and instill in them and teach them and help them to understand so that when they get to the place where they don't have to obey, they continue to obey and we're able to have influence over them. See, my goal is that my adult children, that I would have enough influence over my adult children that when they start dating for the purpose of getting married and maybe they start getting interested in someone that I don't think is the right, my goal is that even though I I, I can't tell them not to marry so-and-so, I can't tell them not to go down that road, that I would have enough influence over their lives that I could say, hey, listen, son, hey, listen, honey, I don't think that's the right guy, and that they would have enough respect and influence, I would have enough influence on their lives that they would listen to that. That's the goal. The goal is influence. Leadership is influence. If, you, if, you, if you're the leader and you can't get people to do, you can't influence them in what you're trying to get them to do, you're not a leader. You may have a position. You may have a title. They might call you boss or they might call you pastor or they might call you dad or they might call you whatever. But if you can't influence people, you're not leading anybody. And Lot here had no influence over his wife. Lot here had no influence over his adult children. But notice, you know why Lot had no influence over his adult children? Because Lot also had no influence over his minor children. Notice verse 15. Notice the daughters and the wife that he has in the home. Genesis 19 and verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot. The angels are like, come on, we got to get going. Saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Here's all Lot had to do. Grab his wife and his two daughters that were there, that were there, that were in the home, and take them out that they be not consumed. Notice verse 16. And while he lingered, he failed even at that. I mean, he couldn't even get his wife and children out of a burning house. I mean, he couldn't even get his wife and kids, the ones that are living with him, to say, we got to go. You see these angels? You see these 300 homos that are blinded right now? You, you, they did that, and they're going to bring fire upon the city. We got. He can't even accomplish that. He lingered. He had no initiative. He had no leadership. Notice verse 16. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand. So the angels, have to, they just step in. They laid hold upon his hand and upon the hands of his wife and upon the hands of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So we see that Lot had no influence. And you know what? As leaders, influence is the goal. And and, and listen, men, husbands, fathers, the question is how much influence do you have in your home, over your wife, over your children, 
The goal is to have influence. You say, well, why, why did Lot fail at having influence over his family? I think the main reason that God kind of highlights for us as to how, why he failed is found in verse number 8. Look at Genesis 19 and verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. This is what Lot said. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known man. That's his virgin daughters. They're not married. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Now, I, when you read that, you ought to just read it and say, what? Are you crazy? You're going to give your virgin daughters to these men, you know, to do as is good in their eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And I've literally heard people preach this and saying, like, Lot was doing the right thing. You know, because the culture and the custom of the day was that you had to do everything to protect, you know, the people in your home. And even sacrificing your own daughters was the right. You know what? That is, that is so much garbage. I mean, I don't care what culture it is. I don't care what year it is. I don't care what dispensation it is. All right? It's never okay to just hand over your two virgin daughters to a bunch of perverts and say, here, have your way with them. And, and, and you know what? You know what Lot was? He was a coward. Because, look, you say, well, what would you do if you're in that situation? I, you know, I mean, I'd get a gun, you know. You say, well, Lot didn't have a gun. I'd do whatever I had to do. They're going to kill me before they take my daughters. You know what I mean? I mean, we're not. They're going to take the two angels before they take my daughters. That, I mean, you're not, you're not just going to give away your daughters. But here's the thing. Lot was more interested in protecting himself and protecting these guys than he was his daughters. And you know what? When it comes to leadership, men, it, those that are following you need to know that you have their back. You know why most, people, why most marriages have problems? It's because the wife feels that the husband is more interested in other things. You know why most children go off and rebel against their parents? It's because the children feel that their mom and dad are more interested in other things. They have loyalties to other things. Dads are more interested in their business and making money than having a conversation with their children. And here you see lots. Very clearly showing his daughters, you are not my priority. And thus he failed as a leader. He had no influence over them because he had no protection over them. Look at verse number 17, Genesis 19 and verse 17. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he, he said, escape for thy life. Remember this, these are the instructions that they are given. Look not behind thee. They're told, don't look back. Neither stay thou in all the plain, Ex- escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Here's another problem that Lot had. He couldn't, he couldn't take instruction. Nobody could tell him what to do. You know, they're saying like, they're, give, they're telling him, you know, do this, do that. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Look verse 19. Behold now, thy servant have found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. I think myself like, man, the evil that you were living in was pretty bad, Lot. Look at verse 20. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. I want you to notice that. He says there's a city, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape hither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Now, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, last Sunday night, Brother Al preached, but the Sunday before that, I preached a sermon entitled, A Covenant of Salt. And we went through and showed how uh, believers represent salt. Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. And we saw how often the amount of believers that were in a nation 
would either preserve that nation from having the, the judgment of God come upon them or would uh, not allow them to be preserved. Like Sodom, there just wasn't enough salt to spare it. You know, and we have that whole uh, dialogue back and forth between Abraham and God. And he's saying if there's 50, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, it, they, they got down to 10 and there wasn't even a 10. So God said, I'm just going to remove them. That, that, we, we saw that whole picture. Here we see yet more evidence of this covenant of salt idea because notice what happens. Look at verse 20. Remember, Lot, his wife... And his two daughters were not enough salt to preserve Sodom, right? They needed at least 10. They didn't have that. And even if they were counting the two daughters and the son-in-laws, they still didn't have enough to get to that number to preserve Sodom. Now, it's just, you know, Lot and his wife and his two daughters. And now they're saying, can we go? Look at verse 20. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto. Because when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't only destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but he destroyed the surrounding cities. All right? He destroyed the entire plain. And now he's asking, he's saying, can we flee unto this city? It is a little one. Oh, let me escape hither. It is, not a, is it not a little one that my soul shall live? Now notice the response in verse 21. And he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing. Concerning what thing? The fact that you're asking that we not destroy this little city and you can flee there. Also, that I notice, notice what he says, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. So here's what he's saying. I was going to overthrow the little city because it was near Sodom. You were not enough light. You were not enough salt to preserve Sodom. But you are enough salt to preserve this little city. You see that? The, the, the just Lot and his wife and his two daughters, you know, this city was obviously substantially smaller than Sodom. And God said, you know, you didn't meet the criteria to preserve Sodom, but you meet the criteria to preserve this little one. Is it not a little one? And he said unto him again, verse 21, see, I have accepted thee concerning. You know, he told Abraham, I don't accept your offer. I don't accept your offer. I don't accept your offer. But here he says, okay, I'll take this offer. I've accepted thee, I've accepted thee concerning this thing. Also, I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. So the first thing we see is that Lot had no influence over his family. We're talking about how the end times family will look similar to Lot's family. And today we have a lot of Christian dads that hold no influence over their families. They're there. They're part of the family, but their wives don't listen to them. They're not the man in charge. Their wives put on the pants in their family. They boss them around. They tell them what to do. Their kids don't listen to them. Their kids mouth off to them. Their kids tell them, you know, they, they've got no control over their teen. Look, I still believe that today you can raise teenagers that love the Lord. Amen. You can raise teenagers that are respectful. And, and look, teenagers make mistakes. You know, I think it's scientifically proven their brains have not developed fully. We get that. But, you know, I, I'm, that was a joke, okay? I'm not an evolutionist. But, uh, you know, they're going to do stupid things. But you can still raise good kids today. But today, you go to the average Christian family, and their kids are rebellious. Their wives are bossy. The man has no leadership, no influence. But let me show you the second thing that we can see. We saw, number one, Lot had no influence over his family. Number two, Lot's wife had no interest in the things of God. Notice verse 22. Haste thee, escape hither, for I cannot do anything till thou become hither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. 
Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the ground. Notice verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him. Now remember that in verse number 17, they were told, look not behind thee, right? Look at verse 17 again. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, then said, then said, uh, then he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So he said, run, escape, and don't look back. But when they ran and they escaped, verse 26, but his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. You know what we call that? That's poetic justice. Say, why did she become a pillar of salt? Because she wasn't willing to be the salt needed to spare the land. So God says, you know what? I'm going to make you into actual physical salt. And here what the Bible shows us, go, go back to the book of Luke, if you kept your place there. Luke 17. Because God actually references this in the Old Testament. Luke 17. Look at verse number 31. Luke 17 and verse 31. Notice what the Bible says. Luke 17 and verse 31. In that day, notice what Jesus said, he which shall be upon the house and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. So he's telling them, he's saying, just like when Lot ran away, he was told to escape and not look back. God's telling people, well, you know, you need to run. You need to go. Don't look back. Notice verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. So remember Lot's wife looked back? What happened to her? Now notice the context. Verse 33. He says, and Jesus said this throughout his ministry. It's throughout the Gospels. But he says it here in Luke under the context of remember Lot's wife. He says this, remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Now I would, I would uh, encourage you, study that phrase out throughout the Bible. And you will find that the context is this. That those who try to quote unquote save their life by trying to just live it to you know, their lust and live it to their happiness and try to do. He says if you try to live your life to fulfill your own pleasures and lust. He said if you try to save your own life you will lose it. And whosoever shall lose their life, you know, that's us. You say, ah, you're wasting your time with religion. Ah, you're wasting your time. Why don't you go do better things? Why do you have to go soul winning? Why do you have to go to church on Sunday night? Why do you have to, don't you know you're wasting your life away? God says if you lose your life for his sake, he'll preserve it. He'll give you a better life than if you spend every weekend just trying to party and trying to have a good time. He'll give you a better life if you lose and sacrifice yourself for him than if you try to live your life for yourself. And here we see Lot's wife. You're there in Luke. Go, go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 5. Just a couple of books over. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse number 13. Uh, 13. Matthew chapter 5. We saw this a couple of weeks ago, but let's look at it again. Matthew 5, 13. See, the problem with Lot's wife is that she was more interested in the things of the world than the things of God. She wasn't even, I mean, she was told, don't look back. And she's like, I just got to look back. You know, I left my heart in Sodom. Today, we, you know, it's, I left my heart in San Francisco. She, that's where she left it too, you know. She's looking back. She's like, I just, I got to get one last look. And God turns her into a pillar of salt. Notice, notice Matthew 5, 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, that's, that's Lot's wife, wherewith shall it be salted? God said, I can't, I can't re-salt you. It is therefore good for nothing. 
See, the average Christian today that is not a solid Christian, that's not making a difference, that's not preserving anything, that's not helping, God says, you're good for nothing. He said, you're, it is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. He said, he said, I can't use you. There's nothing I can do. He says, you're the light of the, of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And, and, and he says, you know, and he turns her into salt. I believe he turns her into salt just to kind of show us all. That's what you should have been. You should have been salt, preserving, salt, helping. But you were worldly. You were not interested in the things of God. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 14. If you open up your Bible in the center, you're more likely to find the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs. You know, you, you say, well, what does this have to do with end time? You know what I've noticed over the last several years is this, that there is an epidemic in our nation of spiritual women, of, of not having spiritual women, of a lack of spiritual women. Today, our churches and churches like ours, I've noticed they're filled with a lot of young men who want to serve God and walk with God and love the Lord, but the numbers are not equal. I mean, we've got, thank, praise the Lord, we've got women in our church that love the Lord and, and are sold out, and we've got single women that love the Lord and are sold out. And in, in every church that I know of, there's single ladies that, are, that, that, that go soul winning, that want to do right, that want to love the Lord. But you know what? The numbers are totally just, in, they're not proportionate. There's like way more guys than there is young ladies. You say, what, what, what is that? Where did that come from? I don't know. I can't tell you why that is or where that came from. I can just tell you it's the truth. Go, go, you know, go preaching with me when I go out to all these churches. You're going to have like 20 single guys and, you know, one or two young ladies that want to love the Lord. You say, well, well why, why is that? I, I think the reason it is is because the closer we get to end times, we're going to have women like Lot's wife who are just not interested in the things of God. We're just not interested. They're worldly. You know, and today we got all these young guys, we're trying to find them all wives, you know, and it's like, we don't have enough wives. It's like the story in the book of, of Judges. We're going to have to go kidnap them or something, you know, from another tribe, you know, just to be able, you know, and, and, and go to their fathers and say, you know, don't just, you know, don't, don't chase after them. Let them have them, you know. And you say, well, why, why is that? I, I don't know. But here's the thing. Lot's wife was not spiritual. Lot's daughters were not spiritual. And today, there's a whole lot of women they're just not spiritual. Go to, are you there in Proverbs 14? Proverbs 14, look at verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 14 and verse number 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. The Bible says a wise woman buildeth her house. A wise woman. And listen, men, you need to have influence over your family. And if you don't have influence, you need to be working towards gaining the respect that you need to have influence, but ladies, I want to I ask you and I want to tell you, you need to work at making sure that you are spiritual, that you walk with the Lord, that you love the Lord, because really you're the one that spends the most time with those kids. You're the one that's going to invest. That's why the book of Proverbs over and over and over refers to the law of your mother and the commandments of your mother and the fact that your mother influences you and, and helps you to, to walk with the Lord, you know. And I just, and, and listen to me, I'm not, I'm not picking on, on our church. I, I love the fact we have women in our church that go soul winning. We have women in church that are faithful to, to the house of God. And I praise the Lord for it, you know. But there's just a lot of churches where women are just not interested in the things of God. 
They're not interested in the things of the Lord. And you know, you ladies, you need to make sure that you have a walk with the Lord. And you husbands, you need to try to invest in your wives. Make sure that they have a walk with the Lord. I never understood this, this whole thing where like, you know, I get it that women are supposed to be submissive. And their, their role is to follow their husband. So if you're, if you're, here's what I'm saying. If you're not spiritual ladies and you're just here because your husband's here, praise the Lord for that. I mean, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're at least following him to, to, to church, you know, following him in this direction. But you know what? You need to have a walk with God. You know, I never understood this idea where, like, if the husband's sick or if the husband's working, then the wife just, like, doesn't go to church. I, I never got that. I mean, what are you going to do? If your husband dies, you're just going to cut out of church? You're never going to show up to church? I mean, I remember when I was in the military, I got deployed for four months in Qatar. It was never even a question. I mean, it never even crossed my mind. I never thought, like, I wonder if my wife's going to go to church. My wife just wanted to go to church because she loved God. Amen. You know, she, she loaded up our two-year-old Joshua and our brand-new baby Joel, and she'd drive an hour to Vacaville from Sacramento Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for four months. Why? Because she loved God. She wasn't following me. She was following the Lord. And today you got these wives and it's like, well, I'm here because my husband's here, but if my husband doesn't show up, I'm not showing up. Lots of wives just wasn't that interested in things of God. And the closer we get to the end times, it just seems like there's women that are less and less interested. And women, you ought to make sure that you walk with the Lord. You ought to make sure that you're the wise woman that's building your own house. You ought to make sure that you have a walk with God. And husbands, you help your wife. Don't sit there and, you know, you're growing and you're learning and you're teaching. Then you take the time to help your wife grow and you teach her at home and you teach your children at home and you pastor that church that God gave you called your family. Because Lot failed in this area. Lot had no influence over his family. And Lot's wife had no interest in the things of God. Let me give you the third point. Go back to Genesis 19. Number three, Lot's daughters had no instruction in righteous living. Lot's daughters had no instruction in righteous living. Notice Genesis 19 and verse 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. I'm not preaching on this, it's just a side note, but it's interesting that Abraham had a place where he met with God every morning. That's good. You and I ought to do that. We ought to have a place where we get up in the morning and meet with the Lord. Look at verse 28. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward, all the plain, and toward all the land of the plain and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the over, uh, overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up to Zor and dwelt in the mountains. Now look, I don't, I don't understand this story. I don't get this story. It makes no sense to me. But notice what these girls do. And his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Now his, his wife just turned into a pillar of salt. Look at verse 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us. They're saying, there's no man on the earth that we can have a physical relationship with. Okay, These girls are confused. Sodom and Gomorrah just got destroyed, and they think God destroyed the entire world. They literally think they're the last people on earth. Now look, this is how bad Lot was at communicating with his own family as they're leaving Sodom. He doesn't even take the time to explain them, to explain to them, hey, God's just destroying Sodom. Okay? We're going to be fine. I mean, they don't even have that conversation. 
And by the way, leadership is communication. I'm always shocked just like, like, you know, just the lack of communication that husbands have with their wives and wives have with their husbands and parents have with their children. And here, these girls think like, the whole world's been destroyed. And Lot's just like interested in get, you know, getting a beer. Look at verse 30. And Lot went up to Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth uh, to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. So they hatched this idea, okay? And here, I mean, think, it's a perverted idea. They said, let's get our dad drunk, and we'll go to bed with him. Now, I read this, and I think to myself, good night. What is wrong with this family? I mean, you know, they are just, but here's the problem. These girls were never taught to just live right. These guys, these girls were never taught that, you know, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not white. These girls were obviously not taught that they should keep, maintain their bodies pure and, and, and trust in the Lord. I mean, obviously they weren't taught that when their dad's trying to give them over to a mob of homos, you know, and saying, have your way with them. These girls were not instructed right. They made bad decisions. They, he, they said, they, they, look at verse 32, Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And by the way, that's enough right there to never drink alcohol. Amen. I mean, to, the, the fact that Lot was able to get drunk enough to where he could have, perform an immoral act with two of his daughters... And perceived not when they lay down, nor when they arose, because he was that drunk. And it came to pass, well, but I don't have a problem. I'm just a social drinker. Okay, Lot, sure. Look at verse 34. And it came to pass on the morrow, I just, I just drink when God destroys the world. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also. And go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. That's probably one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. You say, what is wrong with these girls? Here's what's wrong with these girls. They were raised up under the sights and sounds of Sodom. They were raised in Sodom Unified School District. They were, they were raised watching, you know, Sodom cable TV. These girls were raised just like watching the world, seeing the world, being involved in the world. There's nothing that identifies them as Christian. And by the way, that's Christianity today. That's the independent fundamental Baptist movement right now. You've got old moms and dads that are loving the Lord, that are dressing right, that are doing right, and as soon as their little child turns 18 years old, they go off in the world, they want to drink, they want to dress like the world, they want to act like the world. Why? Because they were never instructed in righteousness. Because they were never trained to live for God. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's the goal of preaching the Bible. The Word of God, Father, Mother, your job is to take the Bible and teach your children how to live right. And by the way, that's what I do as a pastor. I take the Bible and I say, stop acting like a fool on Facebook. Stop doing this and stop doing that. Let me instruct you in righteousness. Let me tell you how God wants you to live. That's the goal. That's the plan. That's what God wants us to do. And if we don't raise our kids to make good decisions, they're going to end up in being just like the world they grew up in. 
And these girls look like Sodom, act like Sodom, think like Sodom, because that's all they grew up under. They were Sodom. Lot's daughters had no instruction in right living. They make these weird decisions. They make these perverted decisions. They're now with child of their own father. Look at verse 36. Thus were the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son and called his name Benami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. And by the way, the children of Moab and the children of Ammon were not a blessing to the children of Israel. A lot of difficulty and war came as a result of this. So what do we see from Lot's family? We see that Lot had no influence over his family, no leadership. We see that Lot's wife had no interest in the things of God. She's just not spiritual. She'll go to church if her husband goes to church. She'll sit there and read the Bible if her husband wants to read the Bible. But she doesn't have a walk with God. She doesn't have a desire to serve God. What do we see? Lot's daughters, they had no instruction in right living. When they were on their own, or at least they thought they were, they acted and thought just like the world. Let me give you just a couple thoughts on the Sodomites, because you can't preach Genesis 19 and not talk about the Sodomites, all right? Genesis 19, look at verse 4. We'll finish up right here. We'll be done, all right? Let me give you a couple things. Because we're talking about just Lot's family is a picture of how the end times family is going to be. And and we're starting to see it already. We see worldly kids already. We see non-spiritual wives already. We see men with no influence already. But let me say this. Like in the days of Lot, are you there in Genesis 19? Look at verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young, and the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Now, I'm not going to have you turn there, but if you remember, that word know is talking about a physical relationship. In Genesis 4.1, you have to turn there. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Okay, These guys are saying, bring them out, that we may know them. We want to know them physically. Look at verse 6. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. All right, that proves that they're not just trying to have a neighborhood, you know, barbecue. They're not just bringing in the neighborhood welcome wagon. You know, he's saying, "Don't do this. What you're doing is is wicked." He said, "Do not so wickedly." Verse nine. And they said, "Stand back." And they said, "This one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them." And they pressed sore upon them, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Here's what I understand. Genesis 19 paints a picture that these homos and these sodomites are a bunch of predators. Amen. They're trying to rape and pervert and molest and take advantage of these men. And let me tell you something. Like in the days of Lot, it's the same today. All these homos are a bunch of predators, every single one of them. Amen. You say, well, I don't think you can say it. I didn't say it. God did. And, and, you know, show me, the, show, me, show me the positive mention of homos in the Bible. I mean, show me one positive mention where you see this guy, and yeah, he's a sodomite, but you know, he's funny, and they just kind of put up with him. Show me that. In the Bible, they're all predators. They're all perverts. They're all, you know, they're they're being mentioned because their houses are being removed, you know, taken away from the house of God. And here, look, God said, like it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the end time. You know what? In the days of Lot, they were perverted predators, and today, they're a bunch of perverted predators. And the reason that even saying that is controversial today is because you're watching Sodom Cable. Because you're being raised up in Sodom Unified School District. Because you're being put in a kindergarten and, they're te- and, they're, and, and as kindergartners they're te- teaching you, you know, this is good. 
They're teaching, you know, they're reading you the book about the prince falling in love with the prince and telling you how it's normal. And you may be one and just embrace it. You don't think that's happening? It's happening. In America today, they're a bunch of predators, just like it was in the days of Lot. And notice, you know what today is, you know, there's no new thing under the sun. Because look at verse 9. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn, and we, and he will need to be a judge. You know what they're saying? Don't judge us. Isn't that what they're saying today? That pastor's so judgmental. They're saying the same thing to Lot. They're saying the same thing to the, to, to the angels that came in to destroy them. So like in the days of Lot, Sodomites and homos are still a bunch of perverted predators. But let me say this. Like in the days of Lot, look, look at verse 27. Genesis 19, 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Now, Romans 1 is probably the clearest passage on becoming a reprobate. But I would say that this right here is a pretty good evidence as to the fact that these homos are a bunch of reprobates. And, and, and here's the point I'm trying to make. Like in the days of Lot, they were reprobates. Today, they're all a bunch of reprobates. And you say, well, how does this prove that they're reprobates? Here's why. Here's the question I have for Genesis 19. Where's Jonah? Where's the missionary? I mean, God sends Jonah into Nineveh and says, you go in there and tell them 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. And he gives them a chance to turn and to, to get right and to do right. I mean, he has two angels in the city. Why doesn't he tell the angels, go around and tell people, you got 40 days to get things right. You got 40 days to, to quit doing it. Why doesn't he, he's got Abraham just on the other side of the plane. Why doesn't he tell Abraham, go in there and try to get them saved and try to get, why does he not do that? I'll tell you why he doesn't do it, because they couldn't be saved. Because they're rejected. Because they're reprobates. Because God, all he can do with them is take the believers out and destroy them. Are you saying that God is a respecter of persons? He gave Nineveh a chance, but not Sodom. He gave you and I a chance, but not Sodom. You know, just like in the days of Lot, these people had no hope, and today they have no hope. They're reprobates. Just like in the days of Lot, these people were a bunch of predators. Today, they're a bunch of predators. Don't believe what the media tells you. Don't believe what the media... Look, you got to come to the place where you just say, I believe the Bible. Amen. Everything the Bible tells me, that's what I believe. If I want to know what I'm supposed to believe, believe about the homosexual, LGBTQYZ agenda, you know, I, forget what media tells me, forget what society tells me, forget what Facebook tells me, forget what anybody tells me. I'm just going to go to the Bible, read what God has to say about these people, and believe it. Amen. And if you do that, you know what you'll do? You'll come away saying, these people are messed up. And even Christian young girls that raise up, that are raised in that culture, will get messed up and make bad decisions. And you say, you say, what do we do about it? We need lots that have influence. And we need wives that love God. And moms that get up in the morning and read the Bible for themselves, for no other reason than to just grow in the Lord themselves. And we need to make sure we instruct our children in the way of righteousness and teach them how to do right and live right and love the Lord. Because this family is going to be the average family during the end times. The average Christian family. And you know what? It's probably the average family right now. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer.